This week, we are finishing up a series that we started two weeks ago called Lost and Found. And I had the opportunity to open that up for us. But what we're looking at are a series of what's called parables. They're stories that Jesus told to teach a point. And the big point being asked is Jesus was approached by these really religious people. And they like to point the finger at Jesus and say, why would you, Jesus, hang out with all of these lost, dirty, messy people? Why would you be interested in them? And what Jesus decided to do in this instance was take a few different stories and tell these stories to teach them uh, what he wanted them to know about that question. So, two weeks ago, we looked at a story that Jesus told about a lady who lost a coin. And what we learned was that coin was about a day's worth of wage. And that's a big deal for us. And we would all kind of start to panic a little bit if we'd lost a whole payday. And so she begins to frantically tear apart her house and search for this coin that's been lost because we talked about how the coin was valuable to her. And in the same way Jesus was trying to teach these people, one of the reasons that I go after the lost is because they are valuable to me. And when I find them, I throw a huge party and a huge celebration because I found something valuable to me that was lost. Last week, Steve was here and he talked about the lost sheep. And what it was was a story about a shepherd who had a flock of a hundred sheep and one of them wandered off and got lost. And there's a, a couple of really important things that he wants us to know about that. One is he's not talking about sheep, he's talking about us. But two, it's to remind us that we are shepherds. God has divinely placed us where we are in our family situation, in our work situation, at school with our neighbors, at the gym that we go to. God has divinely placed us there to care for those around us because all around us are people who have gotten lost. The second thing is Jesus wants to remind us that when we lose our way, God will never stop looking for us no matter how dark it may feel. And I want to look at a couple pieces of scripture before we move on to today because it's so important to realize, especially in the sheep story, there were the 99 found sheep that were not lost. And the shepherd left the 99 found sheep to go search for the one sheep that had been lost. And it, it might be easy for us in some, in some ways to put ourselves in that situation. Like, well, but you have 99 of them. Is it, worth, is it worth risking what's happening with the 99 that you have to go after the one that's wandered away? And it's kind of the same thing in church that happens sometimes as people have found God and have built that relationship, but somewhere along the way they've wandered. They know who Jesus is, but they've lost their way. And Jesus is reaffirming in that story, listen, I will leave every time to go find that person, to put it all on the line for them, to put everything that I know is in my hands, I'll put everything on the line for that one person who's wandered because I love them so much and they're so valuable to me and I want to bring them home. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't say Jesus came to hang out with church people it doesn't say Jesus came to be religious. It doesn't say Jesus came so he could go to church once a week. It says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 
We talked about that in, in uh, the last couple weeks of this man named Zacchaeus. And in the middle of a massive crowd of people that were there to see Jesus, Jesus picked out Zacchaeus because he knew that he was lost and hurting. And by the end of their experience and their, their, their conversation together, Jesus was able to welcome Zacchaeus in. He was lost, but Jesus went and found him. The second verse I want to look at is Matthew 9, 12. And, and this is kind of our paraphrase for it, but it says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And that's the same thing that Jesus is saying in Luke 19, 10. Is like, listen, I didn't come for the people who've already got it figured out. I came for the people who are messy and broken and hurting and desperately need to hear for some truth and hope. I came for them. I came for the lost wandering sheep. I came for the lost coin. Today we're going to talk about the third story, which this time actually is a lost person. There's always a story behind why people get lost. And I know that may not sound like this. You're like, duh. <laughs> That's pretty obvious. There's always a story behind how something came to be lost. But I think it's important sometimes for us to examine that. Either, either people took a wrong turn and they ended up in the wrong place, somewhere they never thought they would be. Maybe they're trying to take a shortcut. Maybe they were just venturing off into unknown. Maybe someone else made a poor choice and, and the shrapnel from that other person's decision wounded the lost person. And maybe that leaves us in this bitter, angry, rude place. And we like to look at people who are in that angry and bitter and rude and wounded place and think, well, what's wrong with them? Why can't they put a smile on their face? Why can't they just get through this? Why do they have to be like that? And it's a good reminder to think, well, they're, they're lost. They've lost their way. They're wandering. And it's good for us to think about that and think, well, I wonder what the story is behind how they came to be where they are. One of my favorite phrases that I, it has changed my life, and it's so simple, and I know a lot of you have heard it, but it's changed the way that I try to love people. And it's the phrase that hurt people hurt people. And usually, if someone is doing something out of that, that seems out of this hatred or angry place and they're trying to hurt you or take something from you, there's usually a really good chance that it's because they have a hurt in their life that they don't know how to deal with and they don't know how to take care of and they don't know how to find healing from. And so they've taken that hurt that's inside of them and they begin to focus it on the people that's around them. Hurt people hurt people. So we have to remember as we look through this that everybody has a story. Before we continue reading here in Luke 15, I want to highlight a couple things just so we know we're on the same page. There's two kinds of lost that we normally talk about. The first kind of lost are people who just don't know Jesus. And we talked about that a little bit in week one, but it's people who are away, are apart, are aside from God. Have no relationship with Jesus. That's the first kind of lost. The second kind of lost is what we'll just call wandering people who have lost their way. They know, they know home. They know God. They know truth. They know church. They know the Bible. But at some point, they've lost focus and, and their aim has drifted and they've begun to wander away from the things that they know are true and know are right. The story that we're teaching today has to do with the second one of those. We start reading about it here in Luke 15, verse 11. So to illustrate the point further, the point being why Jesus pursues lost people, 
Jesus told them a third story. He says, a man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. Pause. (laughs) That's not how it works, if you guys know about wills, right? And the thing that's important to look at this is the son has basically gone to his father and said, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. I have no use for you. Give me what is mine so I can go on about my way. And can you imagine, fathers, mothers in the room, can you imagine your child coming to you and saying, I'm done with you. Just give me what's mine so I can leave. The hurt, the betrayal, the anger. You can imagine the things going through this father's head, but here's his response. It says, so the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. In verse 13, it says this, a few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. I really like that translation where they use the word wild because I think it paints kind of a picture for us of what's happening here in this scene. Uh, This wasn't the, I'm gonna move to the city and get a job. This was the, I'm taking my money and I'm going to Vegas. Um, Maybe not even Vegas, maybe like Reno. <laughs> I'm glad some people laughed at that. Some people know what I'm talking about. Not that I know. I know nothing. I've heard. I've heard things. Another word we could put in for that word wild is reckless. The son took much. He had much that he could live off of. And he was reckless with it. He was wild. It's the same kind of word we'd use to refer to reckless driving. Um, The definition for for reckless driving that you can find when you look up reckless driving in Colorado says this, driving with malicious and willful disregard for the safety of persons or property. Does that kind of drive it home? Let me read it one more time. Driving with malicious and willful, intentional disregard for the safety of persons or property. The son in the story didn't accidentally get lost. It didn't just happen. He made a decision, maybe a series of decisions that led up to him choosing to look his father in the face, to say what he said, and to walk away. He wasn't just lost. He ran away. He knew what he was doing, and he did it anyway. I know that I'm going down this bad road, but I don't care. And I think we've all been there. If, if maybe some of us are there now, at, at some point we've all been there where we know we're making the wrong decision, but there's just that overwhelming part of us that says, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it. I know it's not right, but I'm going to do it anyway. And how many times does that have an amazing outcome? <laughs> Nobody? But then we're surprised. Then we're on our knees. God, Why? Why am I here? Why has this happened? Why is this hurt in my life? And if we're quiet long enough, God usually reminds us and goes, remember when? It makes me think of stories when I was young of of being in the kitchen with my mom and she's getting dinner ready and, and, and we've all had this, but there's the hot stove. And I don't know what it is, but it's like boys and fire and dangerous and something. There's just something about the dangerous thing that I want to be close to. And mom looks and goes, Brandon, don't touch that. Brandon, don't touch that. Don't grab that. Don't put your hand up there. But eventually, she's going to turn her back long enough that I'm going to get a hold of that pot or pan that's on, 
and I'm going to burn my fingertips. I'm going to cry, and I'm going to scream. I'm going to yell, and that infancy child in me is going to go, Mom, why did you let me do this? She goes, well, I reminded you, and I told you, and I, I, I gave you examples and illustrations of why this is a bad thing. And I did it anyway, and there were consequences. In verse 14, we read on with the story of this man. It says, about the time that his money ran out from his wild, reckless living, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And you've got to think he's kind of wondering, how did I get here? He's in that same moment where we've all been, of he's starting to reflect and think back of, I had everything. I had a lifetime of inheritance, and now I have nothing, and I can't even eat. Verse 15, it says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And it says that the farmer sent the, the, the son into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. He was in such a low place and the consequences were so dire from the situation that he had put himself in that he wasn't even fit to eat the things the pigs were eating. And an important study from this is Jesus is telling the story is, is it's very likely that this family and this son, based on the inheritance model that they had, he was probably Jewish. There's a good chance there was a Jewish family. And, and when you look in this context, it's especially painful to read because even in his religion of the things that he believed, it was very clear that, that Jewish men and women were to abstain from pork, which they considered an unclean thing. And so not even just his personal pride, but in his spiritual religious life, he's in this place where he would even eat the things that he considers to be unclean, filthy animals because he is so hungry. He is so desperate. What it doesn't tell us is exactly how long this went on. But you can imagine how long can somebody go without eating before they get real desperate. How long can someone go living in a pigsty before they start to really reevaluate what decisions they've made in life? However long it takes, eventually we get to this part in verse 17. When the son finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He's not even looking to go home and be a son again. That's how far he's fallen and how thick the walls have come up in his life and how callous his heart has become, how hurt he's been. He's saying, if I could just go home and work for my family just to eat again, just to have something to eat and a place to sleep, that would be perfect. That's all he's asking for. Let me go back to a place where maybe, maybe my dad will have enough grace for me just to let me earn my way back in, earn some food, earn a place to sleep and be part of the hired help. We see this as we keep reading in verse 20. And guys, this blows my mind. So he returned home to his father. 
And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Let's add some context to this story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. If you see something a long way off, you're normally looking for it. Is that fair? It paints this picture immediately that this wasn't, the father wasn't busy about his business and happened to see. It paints this picture that there's this dad who's desperate for his son to come home, who's been gone who knows how long. No word, no text, no email, no phone call. And he's been waiting at the front door, looking down the road, praying, crying out, calling for his son to come home. And when his father saw him coming, it wasn't hate, it wasn't bitterness, it wasn't revenge. It says he was filled with love and compassion. And he didn't wait for his son. It says he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. And think, this is the guy who didn't have money or rights to eat pig food? Do you think he showered? Do you think he's clean? Do you think he smells nice at all? He's filthy and dirty and no telling what covered in. And it says in that moment, the father brings him in without hesitation, embraces him and holds him close and kisses him. Son, I love you. Son, I'm glad you're home. Son, I'm so glad you're here. The first thing we need to remember about this passage is that sometimes God allows us to go to really low places because he knows those low places can bring us to our senses. And an important word in that is allow. Rarely ever in any circumstance that I can think of in my life has it been because God has sentenced me to pain and punishment. But like a good father who eventually knows their kids have to make their own decisions to be able to grow up, to be able to mature, to be able to become men and women, God will let you make decisions sometimes that are the wrong decision. Because he knows if he just shelters you from the hardships in life, you'll never grow. You'll never become that man or woman of God that he's seeking you to be. You could choose, in every fork in the road, you could choose to pursue God. And that would strengthen you and bless you more than you can ever imagine. But sometimes God knows that's not what we're going to choose, am I right? Sometimes God knows that's not the path we're going to take. And he allows us to choose the wrong path. The best way for me to learn to not touch the stovetop was to eventually touch the stovetop and realize she was right. She wasn't lying to me. She wasn't trying to control me or manipulate me or steal joy from my life. She was trying to protect me from something that she knew would be hurtful and painful. God's no different. What he asks us to do in scripture is no different. He is wiser beyond anything we can possibly imagine. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but it's true. God knows what's best for your life, and he asks you to, to work through scripture and to work through truth and to work through the Holy Spirit that he's given you to discern the right things that God has for you. But sometimes he's going to let you choose the wrong thing so you can burn your hand and realize that he was right. And even just like the sun, we all have that moment. We all have that choice where we are in the pit with the pigs and we can choose to stay there. 
to pity ourselves or we can choose to fess up and own it and go to our Father and say, I sinned, I messed up, I don't deserve you. Please forgive me. And God reacts. Our God reacts just like that father. He's been waiting for us to come home. He's been waiting to hear those words because he wants so desperately to put us back on that path that leads to that peace and joy and hope that only he can provide. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of this story. That's the God that Jesus is painting the picture of as he tells these three parables. Could it be that God has allowed you to be in the place that you're in now because it's time to come to your senses about something in your life? And that takes some maturity to open up those doors, to look in the deep, dark places of your life and really examine yourself to see what it is you might be holding on to, what decision you might be making that's dragging you down into this pit and offer that back to God and allow him to take that and to carry you forward in the right path. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But immediately, the father called his servants to him, and he said, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on my son. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening, the top shelf good calf. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Then the party began. Remember what Jesus says in the story about the coin and about the sheep and now about the son. There's rejoicing in heaven each time one lost person finds their way back. There is a party in heaven each time one of us who either did not know God comes to God or knew God and has wandered each time someone comes back. There's a celebration in heaven as God rejoices and prepares to pour out the riches of his kingdom on your life. To begin to raise you in those things that he had already desired to give you before you wandered, he begins to celebrate knowing good things are to come. For some of us, it's not totally life destruction lost. Some of us, it's a selfish lost. It's running back to the same old sin time and time again. It's treating our spouse or our kids or our parents with rudeness again and again. It's feeling sorry for yourself and getting bitter when you have to have surgery or you lose your job or you you find yourself in this difficult circumstance and it's allowing that bitterness and that anger to take over your life but every time we come home we see the father respond with love and compassion 
and I highlight all that part of that message, if you don't leave anything else hearing this, there's no amount of lostness, there's no amount of wandering, there's no amount of wild and reckless that you can participate in life where God won't be standing on the front porch waiting for you to come home so he can embrace you and usher you back into a celebration and usher you into a life of reward in his kingdom. And it's important to remember because sometimes we lose our job and, and life begins to fall apart and we're going, God, if I just had this, if I just had this, the son was saying to his father, if I just had my inheritance, then I could be happy. And that's not what it's about. And sometimes God allows us to go to those places so he can remind us what it's really about. And sometimes he allows us to experience that hurt and that pain and that, that deep lostness <clears throat> so that we can know what it feels like to come home and we can know what it feels like to be blessed with peace and hope and joy, maybe after long seasons of not having any of that. I know I've been to seasons in my life where I would have taken some hope and joy over anything else that anybody could offer me, over any job, over any amount of money, over, I would have taken some hope and joy over anything, and God reminds me, that's the most important thing that only I can give you. And so I plead to you, if you're out there and that you're looking and you've got that hole in your heart that you can't figure out how to fill, Give God a chance to be the one that fills that hole. Because I know in my life, I've tried all kinds of things. When I went through my divorce, I tried all kinds of things to try to fill that space that I felt had been ripped in my heart. And God proved to me time and time again that he's the only one that can do that. I have no proof to, to give you other than my own life and my own story, and that's all that I can offer up. But if you're willing to give that a chance and allow him to step in there and provide those things for you, I promise you're not gonna regret it. It's not gonna be easy, but it's gonna take you to a place, an amazing place you've never been before. And I hope you can accept that challenge, but there's a second part that I want us to focus on. We're gonna end, uh, start landing the plane with this in just a minute. Luke 15, 25. We continue reading in the story. It says, now the older son, there's a second son, remember? The older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And they said to him, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But it says the other brother was angry and he refused to go in. He's pouting in the field. And it says the father noticed and he came out. You see this pattern of the father looking for his children? I'm just throwing that out there. His father came out and he entreated him and he, he, he begged him to come in and he says, look, these many years I have served you, the son says to his father, but I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat and you never let me celebrate with my friends. The son looks at his father and says, listen, I've done everything right. I've stayed in your house. I've worked my tail off. I've never disobeyed your command. I've never run off with all the money and wasted it. And you've never done something like this for me. Any of us ever been there? I know I have. God, why do you give them that? Why do they get to have that after the life they've lived? And I am stuck with this. 
Why don't you do things for me like you do for them? God, why don't you love me the way you love them? The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting, it was good, it was appropriate to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Guys, we get confused sometimes about what we're supposed to be doing here, I think. And we start taking the role of the other son of just sitting around and waiting for God's blessing in our life. God, just what are you going to give me today? God, what are you going to bless me with today? What promotion am I going to get? What raise am I going to get? What good thing? What, what's going to happen for me today? And God's trying to remind us in this passage, he just told this amazing story and he could have stopped with the son coming home and he could have stopped with the party and he could have ended there and we all would have had this great feeling of like, yes, God, you are good and I can come home to you and it's all good. But he's calling out the other side of saying sometimes we become, pla- become complacent and we allow our own selfishness of what we think we deserve from God to blur our vision of what's happening around us. God's mission that we read about early, he came to seek and save the lost, not to pamper you. He didn't come to treat you special. He came to seek and save the lost, and at one point in life, you were one of those people. And he climbed on the cross and he died for you so that you could have a relationship with him. And then he tasks you with returning that same favor to be a part of him bringing in more lost and messy and broken people. We look at that story and go, the brother's a jerk. He should have been celebrating with his family. He should have been in there. He should have been running up to his lost brother and giving him a big hug and welcome. He should have been doing that, but that's not how it works. And we don't always act the same way in our lives when we encounter those situations where people who have squandered and been reckless and been wild come to Jesus. Our selfishness puts a barrier between us of us celebrating that. And God's calling that out and he's saying, guys, you've got to let that go and you've got to remember what my mission is. I did not come to make you happy and comfortable. I did come to give you peace and joy and life beyond all understanding. I came to bless you in ways that you will never be able to understand fully. But I came to do that so that once I saved you, I could take you to save others. That's our mission. That's what this church is for. We are here to welcome in and love and embrace and throw parties for the lost who come home. And then we're here to go out and do it again. Guys, do not let God's story in your life become about you. Please continue to fight against that selfish desire to make it about yourself and pick your head up and look around at the world around you and see what he's trying to do in your office place and in your home and with your family. What is God leading you to do to make a difference for somebody who needs to be found and is desperately lost? Coming off of that note and finishing with this, and Elisha's going to come up. Guys, the band, you, you guys can all come up.
we push often here that you find what we call chair time. Some time during your day to find a place for however long you can apart from the chaos and apart from the distraction and away from your phone and the computer and work and just, just for as long as you, just, just for a minute of time, as much as you can spare and get with God and reflect with him on, on what it is he's trying to teach you and, and connect with him. And I'm asking, maybe this week as you try to get into that space and try to find that chair time, ask God to show in your heart what you're holding on to and what the selfish things you are, whether, whether you're the, the first son who just wants this and this and this and then I'll be happy and you're ignoring the things that the Father's trying to offer you. Or maybe you're the second son and you're throwing a pity party because everyone else is doing better than you are and you're missing the blessings that God has on your life right now in this time. Get in that place and ask God to show you and maybe most importantly, ask for God to give you an opportunity. It may not be to preach a sermon at your office. That's probably going to be weird. Don't do that. But it may be an opportunity to take somebody to lunch or buy somebody coffee. And it may not be sharing the gospel. It may just be listening to them for a minute. Maybe giving somebody a hug that desperately needs it. It Maybe reaching out and just trying to connect and offer friendship to somebody who needs somebody in their life to be some kind of positive light. And take that opportunity to make a difference and to be one step closer to maybe being a part of God's story of bringing that lost person home. To rescuing them from the pigsty and bringing them home and throwing a party. Put yourself in that place and allow for God to convict you and show you those people around you that Jesus is trying to bring home and wants your help. And guys, how cool is that? God wants your help. Doesn't need it. He can do all this without us, but he loves you so much and he has such a desire for relationship with you. It's, it's the, the father who takes his son fishing and wants to show him because he loves his son and he wants his son to learn these good things and he wants to show him how to bait and how to cast and how to real. God wants to show you how to do the most important things he can let you do in life and he wants you to be a part of that journey with him. Don't miss out on that. Let's pray. God, you are the good father. And Lord, I know in my life, I've been both of the sons at different times. God, I know that you have given me things that I have wasted recklessly. God, you know that I continue to make decisions to throw things away that you give me that are good, that are best, and I trade them in for something else. God, you know my heart and you know sometimes that I focus on the people who are doing better or have things that I don't have. And when I do that, I miss out on what it is that you've done for me. God, on the love that you have surrounded me with, with people who desire desperately to encourage me and love me, to be family. God, you offer that to all of us. And, and Father, I pray for the hearts in the room that are struggling with that, a feeling abandoned, and they, they feel lost, and they feel like they're in that pit. God, show them genuinely in their heart. Open up and remove those hard walls, and, and God, let them see your grace and your love and see that it's not just okay to come home. 
It's the best thing that we could ever do with our life. God, please challenge us to come home. Father, I pray for the people who know you and are wandering. God, convict them this morning and bring them home and let them rejoice with you that they've been found again. God, challenge them to reach out and grab a hold of somebody near them and let them know they need help. God, challenge them to get into a life group. Challenge them to connect to you and to the people you've put in their life. And Father, lastly, I pray for people who have never known you, who maybe for the first time have realized the pain they feel is being lost. The hurt they feel is being separated from you. God, my prayer for them is that maybe this morning you would give them the courage to reach out to one of us, to come find me after the service, to, to find one of our volunteers, to get prayed for, to be, to be shown how to come into the celebration, how to be welcomed into the party that Jesus wants to throw for you today how to find hope and joy and peace maybe for the first time. God, I pray you lead them to not leave this room until they have dealt with the lost and sin and brokenness and decided to come home. Lord, I pray they come home today. Fathers, we worship in this next song and we sing about how you are a good, good father. God, remind us that we are your children and that there is no greater position on earth than to be loved by you and called your own. Father, we love you. We lift all of these things up for you. God, thank you for res rescuing me. God, thank you for coming after me. Thank you for putting me where I am today. God, it's in your name I pray.